0: Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Polzer. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end.
1: It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. I have a good friend who was an excellent sportsperson. Football, running, ball sports... Anything physical that he took part in, he excelled in. This was great while he was a child, but what happened next was a little sad. After a period of bullying, he lost his passion for sports, and he replaced it with food. The less he played, the more he ate, and the bigger he got. It was a terrible thing to see, but what was worse was that his spark slowly faded until it was harder to recognize this guy based on his personality, but more so based on his figure. This story and countless others describe the spectrum of where people get chewed out by this world. After years of conditioning, social and otherwise, none of us comes out truly unscathed. That is the purpose of this section. Before you become the alpha dude, you have to come to grips with why you are the way you are. What are your predispositions? and? are they malleable? This brings us to personality types. There are multiple systems describing personality types. It is always useful to work out where you sit in relation to these. However, it is easy to get bogged down with the label, as such personality should be as defined as a predisposition and then analyse for its strengths and weaknesses, then finally examine for what you can keep and what other aspects can be changed. There is an absolute genetic basis for personality. However, the environment is all-important as well. Let's look at some tells about your personality. Number one, what are a few of your earliest childhood memories? These should be the earliest recalled experiences, not necessarily the biggest life events from your childhood. These should also be specific. For example, we used to go out for dinner on Friday nights is not an experience that we count. Perhaps there was a specific time when you went out for a dinner on Friday night and something happened. Whatever you can remember, take note of it. Now notice the following. The memories are likely related to something different occurring. So it would be unlikely related to that time when you're sitting in class, listening to the teacher saying about Nothing much important. The memories we keep are the ones that stick with us. These are core memories. You might have seen that Pixar movie, Inside Out. This is a fantastic representation of how this works. When this happened, when this memory occurred, were you in a position of being a victim or were you the hero? Was it when you were receiving a loving compliment or listening to a fight? These all indicate how you may perceive the world. If you were blamed for an event, particularly when it wasn't your fault, it is easy to see that a victim type mentality may arise from this. Work out what type of memories these are to you. Then notice how you perceive life. If you are generally defensive and have victim memories, could this be a correlation? Is there a time when you took part in a small play and got an amazing reception? Would this affect the way you are with other people? Next, identify your birth order, both chronologically and functionally. If you were the firstborn, then it is suggested there are higher traits, including being conscientious and achievement-orientated. The middle child is the relaxed peacekeeper and the youngest is reported to be the one that breaks the mold, often to get attention. Now, while these are cliches, once you work out where you were born, and if you maintain that order functionally, you can see if any of these apply to you. Next, work out if you are introverted or extroverted, because from this place, you will likely change everything. If you spend time on your own to recharge, you're introverted, while if time alone sounds like a bad time, then you're extroverted. Look at your life and at the patterns of behaviors. Do you chase goals? Do you look to please others or yourself primarily? Are you more likely to be happy or sad at any moment and time on average? And finally, perhaps the hardest aspect is to ask others about these traits and how they perceive you. Remember that there is a massive crossover. No one is 100% introverted, no one fits into one exact box. All that is useful is to look at yourself, at your current personality, and why you are the way you are. To complete the exercise, past areas of abuse and of pain must be dug into, along with the meaning that you have for these. But that's beyond the scope of what I'm talking about. So if it's really deep, you need a counselor, and you know that already. Now, you have worked out where you sit on the scale. You can either get a book or another personality profile test and appreciate that you are where you are and through multiple factors, including genetic, environment, and personality. Bang, there you sit. Once you have this information, you can then take the first step into taking charge of the change. This step is often neglected in many personal growth books. If I tell you to act confident and be happy, I am competing with thousands of other messages that bombard us daily. They are simply filtered out. Instead, identify why you are the way that you are. Work out if this serves you or if you'd like to change this. And make sure that you have the right tools to make the change and the right reasons. This is where we are heading. But before we go there, there is another concept, perhaps most recently repopularized by Sally Hogsworth. In her books, she describes that your personality traits are better detected by others than yourself. After ascertaining these from a questionnaire and then finding your type, you are then encouraged, rather than change yourself, to embrace these unique characteristics and use them to the fullest potential. I agree that you are not to change yourself at the deepest level of who you are. And I'm not sure if that's actually possible to do anyway. However, after that, our perspectives part company. In doing her test, I was assigned a personality trait, which essentially left me in the backseat of most engagements in a supporting role. Sure, I was less comfortable in front of a group of people rather than on my own, however, the thrill of teaching technical information to large groups and to see growth that I can facilitate from the front end would have all been lost. These amazing experiences to truly embrace my unique profile of personality would mean that I would have to disregard so much about what I've done and achieved in lieu of promoting someone else. In fairness, she makes other great points. And if I scored as one of the extroverted leader personality types, I can see that by playing to these cool traits that life would be a blast. The way I see it though instead is you are you. That loving child that you were many years ago, raised and perhaps scarred, still you remain at your core a special unique individual. Instead of pandering to those either perceived or inherent traits, you have the option to put yourself in the strongest light by many methods, including applying the Alpha Dude system. Essentially, the takeaway is this. Personality profiling works and has research behind it. The results from personality profiling then need to be used for you, not against you. This means that if you, like I did, scored in a position of support and you want to be in a position of authority, then let's not let the personality title limit you. Rather, see it for what it is worth. Environment plays a huge part, and as such, you can trace back and see where you were hurt, and then take steps to rectify it, possibly with timeline techniques or other techniques we'll talk about later. Genetics also plays Huge part, and by realizing your predisposition, you can then play to your strengths of your designated personality and then use change techniques to change the bits you don't like. In summary, you are not limited by the profile, you need not be resigned to your life being dictated by your profile, and your profile itself is only as useful as you make it. If it wasn't, people wouldn't change. This brings us to the first A of the Alphardoude system, attitude. Welcome to my universe. A universe has laws such as physical laws of gravity and order. The owner of the universe has the right to make the rules within. However, reality is lived in your mind once before actualizing it in true reality. So why not be in a position to change the laws to suit you? Learning the alpha dude system is one of the best things you can do for yourself. The benefits are limitless, but include powerfully impacting on everything from the way you feel to your interactions with others. Curiously, through changing the interactions with others, you will start to notice that others actually change the way they interact with you, in a good way of course. By understanding that you are limitless and you can actually achieve and surpass your current dreams, It is with the utmost urgency I implore you to pay attention to what comes next. You may have seen the following in the past. A man left the room as someone in the 80s might, his face revealing the weight of several decades, turning towards juveniles wearing their affiliated clothing after one of them threatened to rob and harm his wife who was waiting outside. There was silence. Boring a hole deep inside the leader's eyes, he stared right through him. Palpable fear filled the leader's eyes as they were met with pupils exposing extreme violent intent. Then the octogenarian responded with a threat of his own in such a manner Startling the young punk, who had never been spoken to like that in his entire life. The conviction and power poured out from the words and demeanour. And as the gang went the other direction, visibly shaken, it was only in deep thought retrospectively later that the boys realised that this old guy could barely walk, let alone pose a serious threat. Just insert Clint Eastwood here. Such is the power of attitude. The attitude component is the most difficult to grasp. This is not a recipe to make robots, but rather to give principles so that people are more effective with any actions and decisions that they choose to undertake. The approach I have taken is to look into life itself. If you are killing yourself or not striving for the wrong reasons, then it will be a great shame and a great waste. So what's your outlook on life? What is life and what is your outcome? These are big questions, not because of their complexity, but because of the meanings associated with the responses. If you can answer what is life, then you will be well on the way to working towards an outcome that will fulfill you. If you answer wrongly, then you may find that you are chasing someone else's dreams or worse. My advice is to find your answers to these questions. Effectively, it means that through knowing the why, the what appears. Keep answering these questions until you have your meaning. Personally, my approach was to look at what would bring me happiness. Okay, I'd do something and it would make me happy. And, well, I want to have respect as well, so let's combine those two parts, the dude and the alpha components. And next one is that being happy and respected makes me feel contented. After that, why do I feel contented? What What's so good about it? Well, this was a fair driving force. To be content sounds great, but there is great liberation in standing up and being counted. Yet in the scheme of things, it seems shallow, which drove me to the next phase. That is, is there something more? If I do it solely for myself, then it seems my oh-so-comfortable bed is the great alternative, unless I do it for someone else. I do it for my wife and family. Now I have real responsibility that couldn't be shirked. But, I mean, what happens if they left me in any form? This is where I get deep. And for myself, I do it for God. The responsibility of being affiliated with a force able to destroy nations is awe-inspiring and nothing seems to matter in comparison. The opportunity to serve the highest power gives clarity that pursuing self-interest alone seems like a great waste of time and that there was something actually more out there. So, I mean, that was my drive. Discover yours. Keep asking yourself these questions until you can go no deeper. This is often surprising and may reveal something about you at your deepest core level that you may not have reflected on in the past. Once you have gone through this exercise, finding out what you are all about by writing from your top purpose, then you can question about it until you're able to come out with no more questions. This gives you a sense of purpose. That is the most important part over. The rest is simple. Once you have your drive, you will have the force moving you to your new path. Your perhaps newfound sense of purpose is so powerful. You can find that it compels you to develop a character that can convey yourself appropriately to the world. To live up to your fullest potential means that you are a man of qualities, a man of character. The various qualities of such a man are described uniquely to each individual, but striking qualities are universally great. Strong, honest, loving, authoritative, skilled, confident. The list continues, but you can see that these are perhaps the qualities that embody the things that you stand for. These qualities are important, but they cannot simply be tried on by choosing so, or else none of the system would have been developed. However, they can be developed, and they must be first experienced before they can be developed. And there's many techniques of how to do this, but here's one. Pick out a quality that is used to describe one's character. Remember, when you were living this quality out, what was it like? Most of us, however, have not really been there yet, but with determination, focus, and imagination, We can get the rest of the way there. Imagine the characteristic embodied in another human. For example, courageous. This exercise requires concentration and focus. So make sure that you can do it when you're not distracted. All right, courageous. Imagine the Spartans or the samurai. Fighting through multiple opponents without a thought of death. What would these people look like? How would they be acting? If you could pause the battle scene and look into the minds, can you see the overwhelming purpose that is in their head? As you look into their minds, you can see that these Spartans are driven by passion, not by distraction. What a powerful analogy you imagine as you take that mindset and become your own. As you take it and it becomes yours. Now you have the mindset of the Spartan. Now you have the courage. Now you can do almost anything. Next time you can substitute anything from apathy to being courageous or being curious to hitting the books or hitting it off with new acquaintances as you get curious about them. This brings us to the point that we must start to get out of our heads and less self absorbed. When we arrive to the stage, that we are able to express ourselves with power, we are likely to arrive feeling a little bit worse. Why is this? Primarily, we are trained to focus in society as a hierarchy, and in becoming greater, we often subordinate others. This leads to poorer outcomes, and unless we address this, the first change wasn't really worth it to start with. Make sure that each step forward we take in our own development, we take the equal step in loving others. A litmus test is to listen to someone speak. And if you feel like you know what they are all about, then you have grown out of proportion on the self absorbed side. You have to stay curious. If they know everything and you know nothing, perhaps it's reversed. However, if you act as if the other person has something to teach you, then you can be sure that you are taking the right step in balancing this equation. After working through this for a while, we can condense this into two primary categories, respect and honesty, the alpha and the dude. By being true to yourself and others and enhancing it, you are able to bring energy, a sense of excitement and purpose to an otherwise dull existence of the daily grind. Once you bring the new mindset, make sure it becomes a part of you. When you go out with a weak frame, you will buy into another person's view of the world. The frame is all about whose perception is the stronger. If you go into an MMA gym, for example, likely the guy who's trained there for years has a lot of confidence in this area. And you can see it through the way he carries himself. Contrast this to the newbies, and you can see the difference. There are two ways to a strong frame. Number one, be that guy who trains for years until it is second nature. Or number two, learn how to speed this up using the respect that an alpha brings and the honesty of a dude, and then tweak it using those four A components. You get the idea. Pick a role model, real or imagined, and then watch their experience in peak flow and observe what makes them tick. Apply this with the alpha style of seeing the world to several qualities which you desire and you can leave with a reference point from which to build upon. Try this for several states, including the following ones that I'm about to describe. Then you can learn to access these through the power of anchoring as described later on. The things I'd like you to try out are focusing on power, confidence, charisma, energy, enthusiasm, and happiness. More importantly, apply this to several modern day-like social situations. Perhaps you are in a business and dealing with difficult customers. Imagine Mr. Confidence, Tony Robbins for example, and observe how he walks and talks and carries himself. Notice how he interacts effortlessly with others. Now step into that picture, step into him. Is his posture upright, chin up, moving in a powerful manner, confident and happy, really focus on the subtleties. Once you have experienced this, watch him in your mind's eye. Interact with a difficult customer. Why isn't he phased in the situation? Is it his power that oozes out? or perhaps his love and compassion for others. Maybe it's his outlook, looking for a win-win. Whatever it is, step into the character again and see how good it feels to take care of multiple situations with ease. This practice must be rehearsed multiple times in multiple situations. I wouldn't recommend many exercises to try daily, but if you did one, this is the one to do. Do it all out for two weeks, Expect massive changes in the confidence levels. The next step is to augment this with metacognition. This has been used in learning theory. Essentially, it is thinking about thinking. However, I find its true value is in analysing and improving yourself. For example, if you seek to feel confident, then you may act confidently for a situation. Following, you can think about your thoughts and ask, why did I feel confident about the situation? The answer that follows paints a picture of what you are all about. If the answer is on the level of identity and you genuinely report that you felt confident because that is just who I am, then bam, you have just installed something akin to a computer program which supports desired actions. This is where the magic happens. The mind creates a story To support what just happened, all the better for us if it's a positive story, because the more positive behavior, the more likely it will become instinctual. Does this sound too good to be true? Obviously, doing this once without commitment is less likely to make changes, but look at your station in life now. Perhaps you know of someone who is always asking themselves, Why don't I have it all together? Why aren't I passionate? Likely the subsequent answers, I don't know and I don't care, show that they have a negative or apathetic program running. The same is true for excuses. By giving a story or excusing yourself for the way life is and how it turned out, you're fitting into this. An easier way is to reflect on looking at yourself and those around you. We have all got stories and most of the time they limit ourselves rather than support us. Have you ever had a family member who uses guilt on you or digs for pity by explaining that they have had a hard life because that made them end up like the way they are today? These people are simply sorting for evidence that supports reality. Perhaps they weren't so successful, so there must be a reason, and the reason can actually define who a person is. What would happen if instead of looking for a story, which is also called an excuse, we made powerful programs instead. No longer being defined by our limitations, imagine what you could truly accomplish. This is different from computer programming. To write a computer program means the designer makes the program, then the actions come from the program. For human programming, we need to do the actions, then reflect on it, and attribute positive actions to our state of being able to make the automatic program. If we do it in reverse, our BS filter, or I don't believe myself meter, starts to go off, ding, 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 and destroys the process before it even takes off. In other words, do the action you want, attach the meaning to it you want, and it will become a positive circular habit. Conversely, don't attach meaning to yourself without any action first, as you won't likely be able to believe yourself. Think of a deluded person who thinks they are the greatest in the world without any accomplishments. As I mentioned before, it is important to keep in mind that we are predisposed in certain ways. Some are extroverts and others introverts. These are still fluid states. By understanding your predispositions and accepting it, you can stand back from the situation and notice that these are simply thoughts, And by recognizing thoughts simply as thoughts, you can adjust the outcome. This is especially useful during periods of stress. Being able to step back and saying, yes, these are just thoughts. Allow the stressor to pass, which increases your ability to cope by concentrating energies back into your drive. The freedom to do this means that you, in fact, actually do create your universe. So it's your universe. It's kind of unique. You can let go of the bad and and start to notice that this is really powerful. If someone enters your house, they are bound by your rules. If others enter your reality, then the same applies. By now, it's clear that if you have your reality, others have theirs. This is where it gets tricky, but it's not really when you have the right tools. You may ask yourself, what happens if I find myself with someone who antagonizes me? or if someone who seems to be more powerful than me and is generally negative to me as well, this is where you slip back into being the victim. Your default personality can be enriching and benefit you in many ways, yet it can also hold us back as we discussed earlier. By understanding your personality, you can then come to terms with what parts are malleable. Here to discuss this further is Michael Cass.
0: And the first thing that comes up for me is that often so many of the things that we take for granted or think are parts of our personality are actually complexes or adaptive defensive behaviors that... As you go on a journey of personal growth, you start to realize are much more changeable and shiftable than you thought they were. The things that we think define us, that are our personalities, are in fact things that are standing between us and our truer or deeper selves. So, for example, um, growing up for probably the first 35 years of my life, I experienced myself as a fundamentally sad person. And clinically, it's called dysthymia. It's low-grade depression that um, you, you, experience over time. And that was something that I simply came to accept as a part of my reality for a few reasons. The first is I had never known anything else. It's not like I would be happy and then sad. There was just always kind of a low grade grayness and anxiety that I felt. And in my mid thirties, that became more pronounced to the point that it impaired my ability to function in the world. And it's one of the things that set me out on a pretty deep journey of growth and exploration and, and kind of self-deconstruction. Um, and as I engaged in that, what, I, what started to happen is that what had felt like an immovable, permanent fixture of my personality started to shift and break apart. And it wasn't like I found myself. The feeling of it was that it was more of a remembering of who I really am um, and continue to evolve into, right? And so the big idea here is that when we think our, we are a certain kind of person, it, it's probably worthwhile to question that assumption. And the questions that it might be worthwhile to ask are, how do I know that that's true? And what would happen if that thing which I felt is immovable actually we're able to move. And in that way, we start to realize that personality is at some level a construct and that we get to, through the work we do in personal growth and evolution or whatever words you want to use, the work that we do in that helps us really remember who we are and move in the world in a way that's truly unique and authentic to us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com. If you liked the podcast so far, you will love Michael Pulser's new book coming out soon, Alpha Dude Personal Upgrade. In this text, we look deeper at the Alpha Dude system with many not-seen-before tools and techniques which will upgrade you so you can fulfill your potential. Stay tuned for details.